Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Firstly, thank you all very much for letting me be here, although I appreciate most of you didn't have any choice in that, so it's sort of like an empty thanks, I suppose, in that sense. But I, I mean it, uh, it's a genuine real privilege to kind of be here with you guys. Ivy is one of those churches that uh, everybody knows the name of, and so to get to stand on your stage and share with you is a big deal for me, so I appreciate that. Uh, so... Uh, let me tell you a little bit about who I am before I start talking at you about uh, Hope When We Pray, just so that you've got some context, because at the moment I'm probably just a stranger on your stage. Uh, my name's Michael. Uh, my wife and I lead uh, Manchester House of Prayer, which is a house of prayer in Manchester. The name is, the naming was not complicated. Um, and uh, we have a heart to see uh, people fascinated with the person of Jesus, captivated by his beauty, who recognize his worth and are willing to give themselves to the, to the worth of Jesus. Um, I'm going to talk about prayer. You guys have just done a year of prayer, is my understanding, and we've literally just written out my entire sermon has been up on the screen already, so it's given me so much liberty to just share what's on my heart with you guys <laughs> and not what's in my notes, so we'll see where we get to. Um, but more than simply God wanting us to ask him for stuff, the, the Lord's looking for relationship. That's why he made us in the first place. It wasn't, he didn't make us so that we could ask him for things. He made us because he wanted relationship. And that's one of our primary things that we get to do as, as human beings that, that know the Lord is that we can actually know him not just know about him, not just read about him, and not just from a distance ask for things and call it prayer. We actually are those that get to have intimate, close relationship with the Lord. And, and that's one of the primary driving forces of the house of prayer is that we would be a place where the worth of Jesus is encountered. Um, we are in this fascinating season for our house of prayer. We started it in 2010, so we've been going for nearly nine years now. We started in September. Uh, and uh, for those of you that weren't at the last Greater Manchester Prayer Gathering, uh, we are getting a building this year, which is super exciting. Uh, the Message Trust... Uh, we had a prophetic word in 2011 that the Message Trust would give us a building. And uh, this year... The message just to giving us a building. Uh, and <laughs> we didn't make that happen. That isn't because I've been having strategic conversations with Andy for the last eight years. It's, I've, had, I've had probably, at that point, I'd had maybe two conversations with Andy when he offered us a building. So just to kind of give some context, like the Lord made a way for this to happen. It had nothing to do with me. Um, Maybe it had something to do with Andy, I don't know, but it definitely, the Lord made it happen. And um, so we're hopefully going to be moving into a building in the autumn, which is on the Messages campus. Uh, we're going to be doing, to start off with, we're going to kick off with about 40 hours of corporate worship and prayer uh, every week. 
which are open prayer meetings for anyone to come. There's worship for the whole time, uh, worship and prayer. Man, I, I'm just watching, there's an iPad here with a clock, and I'm just watching time drain away. Um, but for me, you can't separate worship and prayer. The two things kind of go together. Both of them are about both of them are about communicating with God. When we worship, we're speaking to him about who he is. And then when we pray, we're talking to God about the things that are on his heart. And the, and the, the, the most effective form of intercession that we can do is where we're simply agreeing with what God's saying. Where we're asking what's on your heart, Lord, and then we go, yes, do that. That's the best intercession that we can do Rather than stirring ourselves up trying to find, well, I've seen this need and I want the Lord to deal with this. We're going, God, what is on your heart for our city? God, what's on your heart for our nation? And I, I agree with it. God, your will be done. Not my will, not my good ideas, but your will be done in this city and this nation. Um, so that's what we do. Um, we're going to be doing, like I say, 40 hours corporate worship and prayer kicking off in the autumn when this building is built. I want to say a huge thank you to Ivy um, from your first fruits uh, fund, I think it is. Yeah, uh, you guys have sewn into this building project and I'm so thankful for that. Um, and uh, if you are interested in finding out more about what we do with the House of Prayer, there's a couple of things you can do. You can go on our website, which is mhop.org.uk. Uh, if you are free tomorrow night, we actually have a vision night where we're just going to be sharing about who we are, our history over the last nine years, and what our plan is in a bit more detail moving forward. Uh, so if you're interested, that's tomorrow night at the Message Enterprise Center in Sharston. Uh, if you are interested in getting trained up in how to do prophetic singing and how to do prayer meetings where you've got singing and prayer and music and worship and all that stuff together, we have a training day in July, July 13th, uh, which you should totally come to. Uh, and uh, here's my open invitation. Come to our prayer meetings. They're open for anyone to come to you don't need to be there for the whole of a meeting you can just drop in for 10 minutes just encounter the lord give him something of yourself and uh, you can totally do that if you want to get involved you can join our teams we're always looking for that uh, if you can't get involved in the teams but you are for the vision you can give uh, and all the information uh, and that kind of stuff is online or better still since i'm here you can just come and speak to me afterwards so awesome um, that is all I'm going to say about me for now. Um, so it's a, I'm really excited about sharing this morning because I get to share about two things which I love. Firstly, I get to talk about talking to Jesus. And I love to talk to Jesus. It's what I do for a living. Uh, not for a living, I don't. It's my job, though. Um, uh, and... Uh, but the other thing is, like, I love the word, and I love the fact that we can encounter Jesus from the first book all the way through to the last book. Um, and I'm really passionate that the way that we engage with the word of God isn't simply about gaining information. We don't read it so that we know stories, and we don't read it so we know simply about the person of God. Like God isn't at some safe theological distance away from us. Like, and I think that's often how we approach God. It's like, well, 
we know about him we've learned these characteristics of God we haven't encountered those characteristics of God yet and we assume because we haven't maybe we'll never and so we put God over here we put ourselves a safe distance away uh, and 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 because of that we don't begin to engage with him in a really personal way whereas like the bible is the best conversation starter you will find like if you're struggling to pray the bible is where to start it's literally his word to you for you and it isn't simply okay i've got the bible and and i like what it says god thank you for your word we can ask him what do you mean by that like what's your heart behind saying this like why is this even in the bible like what are you saying and the beautiful thing about the lord is like he loves to talk to us like i think one of the greatest shames in the church is that we have the creator of all things who loves to talk to us and in and instead of us asking him if he will listen to us he's asking us if we'll listen to him we're not we're not how often i i struggle with this because i i find it in myself like he's knocking on the door he's saying i'm here i want to listen to you i want to tell you about myself i want to share my heart with you and we're like well it's not prayer time yet i've scheduled maybe to pray tomorrow we'll talk then and uh, and i just think that that's a it's it's a shame and i think it's it speaks of how we view who he is we don't have a clear view of who he is and so we don't realize the privilege that we have that he he doesn't just listen to us but he moves but he doesn't just listen and move he actually wants to share himself with us like he he really really cares about us um none of this is my message okay let me pray <clears throat> lord i thank you that you care i thank you that you are always speaking god i ask uh, even this morning that you would give us ears to hear I ask father of glory for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you this morning god that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened god that we would know the hope of your calling God speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, we just say our hearts are open. Our spirits are open to you this morning. Would you speak to us? In Jesus name. Amen. All right. Okay. So most of my time is gone. <laughs> are we going to uh I wanted to look at um Genesis 18 uh, which is uh it's a funny old passage. Um, I have to say, when they asked me to speak about hope, for I hope when we pray, particularly in this series where we're looking at the Old Testament where, where Jesus is revealed, as Jesus is our hope, so Jesus is revealed in the Old Testament, um, this would not have been necessarily my go-to passage on talking about prayer, hope when we pray. But... I've really, really enjoyed kind of digging into it and seeing, um, seeing some really beautiful things. So uh, Genesis 18 is where Abraham intercedes on behalf of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
the accent of the city, but you know. Um, so there's a lot going on, like a lot going on in this story. It's it's peculiar, uh, but it's awesome. Um, so the first thing that we see at the start of this uh, chapter is that these three guys show up to Abraham. One of them is the Lord. So, so the Lord shows up with two angels, um, which is which is wild, like absolutely crazy. Um, and I, I, I love Exodus 33 and 34, which is where Moses is on Mount Sinai and he says to God, please show me your glory. There's a hunger in him. He's like, please show me your glory. And the Lord goes, okay, I'll show you my glory, but I'm going to have to hide you over here and I'm going to have to cover your face. You can't, you can't see me because if you see my face, you won't live. And yet here is the Lord revealing himself as a, a full human being with two other dudes um, to Abraham. So the general consensus amongst scholars, of which I am not one, uh, is that in the Old Testament, the times where God is seen in a human form will refer to Jesus. They call them Christophanies, which is a fun word to say. Um, and uh, so there's a few different times when this happens. Abraham has a couple, which I'm not jealous, but that is pretty awesome. Um, so Jesus and these two angels show up, and they kind of just hang out together. Um, it's a little bit like when Jesus, um, after the resurrection, where he was on the shores of, of, of Galilee, and they're fishing, and uh, he just comes and he hangs out with them, and they eat together. So, so here we see Abraham prepare this incredible amount of food, which must have taken ages to do, like killing animals, cooking animals, all of that stuff that goes on, like is a, is a lot of effort. Whereas when when Jesus rocked up on uh, the shores of Galilee, he he just barbecued some fish for breakfast, which seems simpler to me. Um, but there's obviously something about Jesus; he likes to eat with his friends. Um, so they eat this meal together, and then Jesus has this conversation with these angels about Sodom and Gomorrah um, in front of Abraham, but not to Abraham. Um, but Abraham's ears kind of prick up because Sodom is where his nephew Lot lives. And a couple of chapters before this, Abraham actually goes like to war for the sake of Lot. Like he gathers up his well-trained servants, hundreds of them, and they and they go to war to rescue Lot and his family. So Abraham cares deeply for Lot. Lot is very important to Abraham. Um, so when God says that he's come, like when Jesus is here to check out the wickedness of a city, Abraham is concerned for the welfare of his nephew Lot again. Uh, because he knows what the Lord's plan will be if he finds the city as wicked as it is. So, so something stirs up in Abraham and he goes from being this kind of deferential, mild-mannered host where he's killing animals left, right and center to feed him to suddenly kind of coming up before Jesus and he begins to intercede on behalf of the city. Um, and so let me just read from verse 23. 
This is what uh, Abraham says. He says, Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. I mean, that is pretty bold intercession right there. Like, to get up in the face of Jesus and go, No, 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 you wouldn't. If there's 50, you wouldn't destroy them all. Like, I think that's, I think that's phenomenal. So then, so Abraham's faith is stirred, and he begins to go, Okay, well, what about 45? What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? Uh, and every time the Lord's like, okay, all right, if there's 10, then I'll spare the city. I just think that's incredible that, that, that Abraham could, could, on behalf of a city which he didn't live in, but he, he saw value in it, which was his nephew, he said, Lord, spare it for the sake of these 10 that you find. I mean, as it happens, there was four and the city got destroyed. But that's not the point. The point is that he still was able to move the Lord's heart with his words before him. Um, And I think that's incredible. So if nothing else, that should give us hope. That when we ask Jesus on behalf of something, he'll respond. But for me, actually, there's a whole bunch more going on in this story than simply him asking Jesus for something Um, because as I say before this wasn't the first time that Abraham had met Jesus they um, all through Abraham's life before he was Abraham and he was Abram um, he's been encountering the Lord in various different ways but he'd actually had one of these Christophanies before in fact chapter 17 the chapter before the chapter we're looking at Jesus Again, showed up in person to Abraham, and uh, as he was Abraham at that point, and he prophesied over him. I think that's amazing. Like I like prophetic words, and I like it when people give me prophetic words. But how cool for Jesus to stand before you and for Him to call out your destiny, um, and then change your name. I think that's amazing. Um, but the point that I'm making is that Abraham had a significant relationship with the Lord. This wasn't his first encounter with Jesus where he managed to get up in his face and change his heart. There was history of relationship between Abraham and the Lord. There was intimacy. Um, He wasn't just guess praying where he's like I think probably this will move his heart I'll call him the judge of all the earth and I'll try and manipulate him round to something Abraham like he really knew the character of God and it wasn't that he knew the character of God because he could read it in the word because that wasn't a thing uh, so much then Um, but he had experienced the Lord he had experiential knowledge of the character of who God is. And that is what drove him to, to, to be confident to stand before him and intercede on behalf of Sodom. Um, so I suppose my point is this. We can ask the Lord for stuff and call it prayer, and that's totally fine. Um, 
but it isn't even a small kind of portion of what prayer is supposed to be or what the point of prayer is supposed to be prayer is supposed to be conversation with god and actually we have this huge advantage over all the characters of the old testament because since the birth death death and resurrection of jesus and essentially jesus we have holy spirit living inside of us so we actually have the fullness of god's presence dwelling within us in a way that none of these characters had so for abraham he intercedes for the city and jesus says okay well if there's 10 i'll spare them and then jesus leaves and that's jesus jesus gone from the from that from that place with abraham whereas for us we'll never experience that we'll never know jesus leaving because the spirit of god always dwells within us we have such an incredible privilege i just i mean it's amazing and so if we know that god answers prayer if we speak to him and we have the spirit dwelling within us really that should stir us to be praying way more than we probably do i'm always challenged by that um one of the key values that we have at the house of prayer is intimacy um it's absolutely key to everything that we do um and i'll be honest with you if prayer was simply um about asking god for stuff then i'm not sure that's something that i would want to give my life to um to see a house of prayer established in the city so that we could ask him for things like maybe for some people that there's worth in that but for me i i don't i don't see a value in it but when prayer becomes about intimacy when it becomes about conversation with the creator of all things um and when we begin to realize that the creator of all things who's the king of kings who's the lord of lords who's omnipotent who's omnipresent the alpha and omega the first and the last when we begin to realize that it's him who wants to know who wants us to know what he's thinking and what he's feeling and that he's interested in what we're thinking and what we're feeling for me that changes everything and i'm happy to see a place established and i'm happy to give my life over to something that is going to draw people into a relationship with the lord in that way where we begin to recognize that he actually really cares what we think and what we feel and he actually cares that we know what he is thinking and what he is feeling like that for me is significant and see god was so concerned with abraham and his legacy and he was he was he was concerned with the things that were important to abraham so the thing that was really important to abraham in this situation was lot lot was valuable and jesus knew that and so he creates a context for abraham to do something about it um that should give us hope when we pray that he he knows the things that are important to you and he has given each one of us an opportunity to do something about that the things that are important to us are the things that should drive our conversation with the lord whether that's our 
home situations, whether it's our children, whether it's our workplace, whether it's the cities that we live in, whether it's the streets we live on, or the cities, the nation, the nations, the things that are important to us, those are the things that we should be talking to the Lord about. And he knows those things. And the thing that I've found is um, that as we begin to give ourselves wholeheartedly to God, when, when our priorities become intimacy and relationship, when our priority is knowing him rather than simply asking him for stuff, it actually changes the way that we do ask for stuff when it's time to ask for stuff. Like we ask of him in the place of prayer differently based on our relationship with him because when you know him you understand what moves on his heart so abraham brought before him the things that of, of the character of god that he knew he knew that he was a righteous judge of all the earth and so that was the way that he positioned his prayer the way that we ask him stuff is different based on how well we know him it moves us Here's what I found when we pray. We usually ask him to bless the things that we're already doing. Or we ask him to change the things that we don't like. That's, that's usually what our kind of intercession is. I've seen this thing out there and I don't like that. So God, would you change that thing? It, it doesn't mean that that thing is it's wrong for us to ask that. But if we don't know what the Lord's heart is towards that thing, we're just asking him to do things that we want him to do. And that isn't relationship. That sounds pretty manipulative. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Like if we're going to ask this all-powerful creator of, of all things to do something on our behalf, surely we want to know what's, what's in his mind. And, and it talks about, the Bible talks about how his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. They are higher they're better and so I'm definitely going to ask him what he thinks about a situation because he's going to have way more information about it than I am and he's going to have thoughts and feelings about it too and he's always going to be right and I'm sometimes going to be right so I'm always going to go with him I'm always going to defer to what he says because in him is wisdom and in us there's sometimes a bit of foolishness, a little bit of selfishness perhaps. So I'm going to always say, Lord, what is on your heart? Um, 1 John 5, 14, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And how do we know what his will is? We can guess, I suppose, but we'll probably not guess right. The better thing to do is we can just ask him, we can ask him and wait and the beautiful thing is that he always answers if we give him the space to speak to us he always speaks to us so I've got 3 minutes and 14 seconds left here's what I want to do I want to just create a bit of space for us to respond really um, uh, there's a couple of things that we can do Firstly, we can go along to the Great Manchester Prayer Gathering as an opportunity to gather as the church in the region and to ask the Lord on behalf of our city to break in 
to ask for his will, his plans and his purposes to be outworked in this place. I think there is great value in that. And, and as has been said, united prayer, according to his will, in humility, will change the nation. Uh, so that's uh, one thing that you can do. Obviously, the house of prayer is an excellent place to respond. Uh, but really, we just need to start talking to him more. We need to start prioritizing relationship with him. It may be that you need to start scheduling prayer time. I know that sounds super legalistic. I promise you it's not. The things that we value, we make time for. Uh, and, you know, a lot of us know what the schedule for East Enders is or Coronation Street more up the north, I suppose. We know the schedule for things and we make a note that um, for this period of time, I'm doing that. We know our work schedule, so that's, un you know, we can't change that. And then we fit other things around that. Maybe we've got like weekly appointments where we meet up with friends. And we'll keep that. We need to start prioritizing our relationship with the Lord in the way that we prioritize some other things that can become idolatry as we make them more important than him. Um, another thing that we can do is we can read the Bible and ask him about it. Like I say, uh, John five thirty nine and 40, um, Jesus is talking to, to um, the Jews and he's saying that you search through the scriptures, the law and the prophets, you're searching through it because you think in there you'll find the secret to eternal life. And he's like, all of it is talking about me. All of it is revealing who I am. So if Jesus is telling us the whole book is about revealing him to us, then you can pick anything and ask him to talk to you about it and ask him to reveal himself from it, and he'll do it. I mean, maybe start with something easy. Don't pick a list of names. Although the Lord really does, I won't go into it, but the Lord really does <laughs> reveal himself through some of those lists of names. Um, but go through it, get the Bible, and use it as conversation. And then finally, the last thing that we can do, and this is beautiful, we can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the Lord to us. In fact, one of the highest callings of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the heart of God to the human heart. It's what he's there for. So we need to use it. So why don't we stand? I want to pray for us all. Father, Father of glory, here we are. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are always listening. I thank you that you long for relationship with your people. God, I thank you that you care deeply about what we're thinking and what we're feeling. You're not a distant God, and you're not simply a God who deals in groups of people. But you care so deeply about each one of us, God, and I thank you for that. And I ask, I ask right now, God, that our hearts would be open. God, even in this moment, in fact, let's just do this. Let's just ask him, God, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Even about, just about ourselves, God, what are you, what are you thinking about me? What are you feeling right now, God? I want to know your heart. (coughs) 
are you saying? God, we repent of where we've made other things more important than you. And I ask God on for each one of us that you would begin to identify where we've allowed little mini idols to begin to be built in our own hearts. God, and we just give you permission this morning. Would you tear them down till you become our priority? That we would be filled with hope because we know that you hear us. We know that you move at the sound of our voice. But even better, we know that you care about us and that you long for us to hear you. God, draw us deeper into relationship with you. God, and I ask that our hearts would be fascinated with you in such a way that you would become the one thing that we desire above all things. Just like David said in Psalm 27, 4, that you'd be the one thing that we desire to be with you, to dwell in your temple, to gaze upon your beauty, and to inquire in your temple, to speak to you in the place where you are. God, we thank you that you love us. And we just say, God, whatever you need to do in our hearts, would you do it? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.